0: Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit dairylanedental.com. You're listening to In the Dirt. Hello, Muskoka. This is In the Dirt podcast on Hunter's Bay Radio with Laura Thomas. On this program, we will get into the weeds about gardening in Muskoka sharing stories and tips from my experience, as well as other landscape professionals. On the show, we will also dig into the relationship our gardens have with Muskoka's surrounding landscapes, as well as how our gardens support wildlife and biodiversity. So let's dig in. So on today's show, I wanted to talk about how your garden looks in the winter so most of our gardens tend to look pretty drab kind of from november to april Um, and when you think about that's pretty much half the year you know six months of the year you're looking out at this garden that you've invested a lot of time and money into and it doesn't look great Um, so let's find ways to make it look better and that ways that you can actually enjoy it more throughout the um you know those cold months too so, with all gardens, um, whenever you're planning either um, a new garden or looking at revamping an existing one, whether it's you know a consideration for spring, summer, fall, or winter, you always want to start with a really good foundation or good bones, um, and this is because it'll give you the shape of the garden um, and the structure. So. You know, try to consider um, a shape that's not a rectangle or a circle. Try to get a little out of the box, so to say, something a bit of an irregular shape, but still defined. Um, And how we define those um, garden beds is by foundation plantings, is, you know, the industry term. So you, by putting shrubs, um, we can put, um, it can be like a built structure as well, like benches, pathways that kind of thing. So um, really making sure you have a strong foundation. And that's what's going to give the backdrop of that garden, too. So typically, in the winter months, that's what we see is that foundation. You're not necessarily seeing um, the perennial beds, the grasses. Um, When we look out, we're seeing the evergreens that you've planted, the trees, and the shrubs. And there are definitely some that are better at providing that winter interest than others. And um, specifically, even for, for color, um, obviously, our minds tend to go more towards evergreens. And um, those are phenomenal, especially even throughout the spring and the summer. Having a backdrop of an evergreen can really make the garden pop in other ways. If um, it makes the, you know, you think of a white flower against a a green background, it makes that flower kind of stand out even more. Um, So having evergreens in in that regard is really important and we can think of you know mugo pine um there's lots of dwarf varieties so if you have a small garden you don't have to be stuck with planting a massive white pine or something there's lots of junipers um you can kind of really find anything that'll fit your space um it can be a bit harder when we get into shade gardens but there's use um We actually have a native yew, the Canada yew, um, which is a pretty cool evergreen. Um, It's not clumping, clump shaping. It's kind of rambles a little. It has a neat shape to it, um, but it's not necessarily for every garden. Um, So other kind of really key foundation plants that we can think of is a popular one, the red osier dogwood. Again, that's native to Muskoka. You find it kind of along shorelines and wet meadows. Um, it does tolerate a really wide variety, though, of soil. So you can, you don't have to stick it um, into a, a wet area. It can be a medium to dry soil, and it's quite happy there. Um, and paper birch is another native tree that looks beautiful throughout the winter. And clumping those three species together can look terrific so again that's kind of like any sort of evergreen so let's say like a white pine red osier dogwood and a paper birch the contrast of the red white um, and green can really be quite breathtaking on a, a cold February day um, popular other shrubs um, there's um, elderberry is, a, is one that gets quite a bit of interest in play um when we're talking about fall specifically usually the berries are gone pretty quick because of the songbirds one that i like to include as long as the garden isn't too dry because it doesn't really like dry uh, feet is winterberry and you actually might have seen it now so if you're driving kind of long the road, and you see like a wet ditch, or if you're driving along a shoreline, and it's a uh, a shrub that has a profusion of small little red berries, kind of going up along the stem. Um, that's winterberry, and it's our native holly. Um, it's striking this time of year because the Berries are so beautiful and they're not very popular with songbirds. So it's kind of a benefit is that they stick on the shrub for a little bit longer. And I always think of it as it is a food source for birds, but it's not their go to. So it gives them something to rely on later on in the season when they've eaten everything else. It's kind of like that, like um, kale that you've kept in the back of the fridge. You know, you know you should eat it, but you're gonna eat the crackers and the cookies first. Let's be honest. Um, so I I always think of it that way that it's nice food source for birds later on when they actually really need it too. Um, it's important to note though, like all hollies, winterberry is dioecious. That's your word of the day, and it just means that there's a male and a female. So in order to get the berries, you need to plant uh, one of each um and it's the female that carries the berries or grows them i should say and you can have i you know one male will kind of fertilize up to 3 to 5 uh females so you can just have the one and then quite a few females to get all the different berries um sumac is beautiful this time of year you drive along the highway it's driving here from gravenhurst and the cones that come up that they you know The top of the branches are striking if you have the space some people don't like them because they sucker up and they get too crazy um i don't know i would take a crazy sumac any day they're breathtaking um they're just gorgeous in the winter that structure the open elegant um arms that they grow up with the little cones um, there's also witch hazel, which is a native shrub. It's not really found in Muskoka, but it's definitely native to Ontario. And it gets um, that little yellow, crazy mop head flower. It's not very showy. It's it's pretty small, but it's something that flowers really late in the season. So I think ours in the nursery flowered probably like the first week of November or so, like really late in the season. Um, sometimes they flower early winter, too. Um, so yeah, there's lots of choice when you want to get um, kind of like color, you know, into into the garden. Um, and again, you know, this might not be winter, but, you know, thinking this time of year, so November, um, is almost like winter for us because it's already snowed. Um, but there's still things flowering in my garden. It's not a pervition flower. Don't get me wrong. But the rutabecchias, so my um, black-eyed Susans, there were still a couple flowers on those, and my branched coneflowers, so the rudbeckia triloba, um, and then of course the asters and the goldenrods. Um, there's a white goldenrod, the upland white goldenrod, and it flowered until almost the first week of November, so it's just going into seed now. So there's lots of things that you can put in to kind of get color really late in the season. And, you know, there's, in addition to like the the living forms of color, adding a little bit of um, garden art or structure, um, a sculpture, sorry, I meant to say, not structure, um, that has a strong pop of color is beautiful. And you might not notice it in the spring and summer, but, you know, having that bright yellow or red um, on a kind of like, gray January day it can be quite beautiful um and I do like a nice bit of like um art in the garden it kind of is able to display our personalities and what we want um and a little bit of whimsy it doesn't always have to be so like tchotchke kind of um a lot of people don't like to put built structures garden art they look down on it as being a little like um yeah, Tchotchke kind of, but I like it. I especially like if it's a little silly. I kind of like the silly little garden gnome that's kind of tucked in the go- in the corner. Um, you know, it's like a little hidden surprise that you just kind of like amble upon, or like a little fairy garden with the the doors on the tree trunks. I think they're adorable, and if that's in line with your personality and what you want out of the garden, um, all the better. I think they're they're fantastic additions. Um, So we're going to take a little bit of a break. Um, We're going to come back and talk more about making our winter gardens looking great. So um, take a moment and listen to some of our great supporters. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. Welcome back to In the Dirt. I'm Laura Thomas, talking about your garden in the winter. So we're talking about ways to make it look a little bit more desirable, more attractive, um, kind of from November to April. So we talked about color before the break. Um, Now we kind of want to look at the structure, texture, architectural interest. Um, Those are all kind of the words that are usually used when we're talking about the things in the garden, the structure of it. So the more popular one that people tend to focus on is including ornamental grasses, um, which are a great addition. Um, the downside I find um, for us in Muskoka is that we get such a heavy snow load that by, you know, j- depending on, you know, the, the season, but by January, February, usually the grasses are down. Um, but that's not to dissuade you from planting them and growing them because you're still getting that November, December. Um, it could last throughout the whole winter, mid-January. Um, and they look beautiful, especially on a morning like today when it's really frosty and you have that kind of, it almost looks like it's glittery, like glittery gold on the, on the plumes. Um, and again, paper birch, we already talked about that, but just the different texture, you can play with the different texture of the bark of trees and willows. Um, I don't know if I mentioned, but like, uh, pussy willows are, are great, um, they have the yellow stems um, and then they get that fuzzy little pussy toe um, in early spring. So you're, again, something interesting, something to look forward to that's in the garden. Um, and having the yellow stalks with like a red owes your dog with, the red and yellow are, are quite pretty. Um, so I got a little off track there, but other ways that we can kind of encourage a little bit more interest in the garden is just simply by letting some of our perennials that we've grown for the summer flowers um, stand for the winter so if we have purple cone flower that we've grown is not cutting them back um, in the fall and letting the seed head stand there and some people are doing this already simply just to feed the birds um, sometimes people let the perennials um, stand or we don't clean up the garden beds because it kind of um, feeds your garden a little, right? You're allowing that decomposition to happen over the winter, and it feeds your garden for next season, which is a great benefit and one of the reasons I do it. Um, but, you know, it also can look really striking. So depending on the plant, um, there's some that are looking, Better in the winter than others, and like I said, the cone flowers are beautiful. Um, Astilbes, liatris, um, can be quite striking. One that I love is rattlesnake master. It's a native plant. It's not very common. It's more of a prairie species, but it looks like a yucca. The leaves do and then it has this really spiky flower that's similar to like a sea holly and it's kind of related so it's an oringium yucca folium so you can see it's like a sea holly yucca um, and it's really kind of exotic looking and it looks very interesting and really neat um, when it has a bit of snow on it and then there's um, blue false indigo which is beautiful in the um, in june when it flowers it has bright blue flowers indigo surprise surprise um but after those are done flowering the seed pods are massive and they are like a dark blacky blue color um and they're really quite showy um so leaving those on are, are is beautiful um and then you know, tips for when we're leaving those stocks up, because some people, um, they might feel reluctant or might worry that, oh, people are just going to think I'm lazy and I didn't maintain my garden bed. Um, so they, you know, give in and cut everything back. If you're, if you're wanting to kind of show that, no, this is intentional, um, it's just, but you can still go in and clean it up a little. Um, the ways that I find that it looks best, and this is the same for, you know, um, maintaining our garden in the growing season is just to make sure things are growing kind of en masse. So, you know, the purple coneflowers that we're wanting to showcase in the winter look really great when they're in a large grouping. Um, same with like the Indian grass that we're growing black eyed Susans. So when things tend to look a little bit messy or, you know, unintentional is when it's a whole bunch of different looking plants and you get the onesies and the twosies and, you know, it can look a little bit messy that way, um, which is completely fine if, you know, your garden is is a, uh, more of a naturalized or a meadowscape garden. I have one of those and it is kind of like a, a little messy garden, but I like it. Um, But if that's not what you're going for, that's ways that you can, um, you know, maintain it to make it look like it's intentional. And again, the same rules of maintaining a clean uh, border. Um, One thing I do like to address, though, when we're thinking of our gardens is specifically... Of uh, what we're going to plant um, and how it's going to play in the winter is snow load. So think about where um, your snow is getting put. Um, if you're plowing the driveway, um, if you have someone that does it for you that constantly puts it in a certain spot in your in your lands, in your yard, or where the snow comes off your roof. I have a steel roof, so um, it drops the snow on the north side of our house and it's just a mound of snow. We can never put um, like woody shrubs there. It's just, um, well, it's mostly just a pathway in the summer. Um, But it's making sure you consider that. So having those areas is not your focal point or your winter interest garden because it's just gonna get crushed with snow and to avoid putting woody shrubs there that are gonna um, eventually just get broken stems or branches. Um, and you know, one reason, like I mentioned this before is, um, you know, why we want to leave some of the plants up is feeding the wildlife. And that's definitely one of my favorite things that I love to do over the winter is just kind of look out onto the yard. I put bird feeders up. I love watching birds throughout the winter, especially the chickadees. Um, and I find that having that addition of, Um, you know evergreens and other trees for them to kind of perch from um, from the feeder to back and forth really helps Um, and one tip that I got from a wildlife photographer um, who was a customer several years ago um, that I've, I've started doing and I've really enjoyed is putting branches beside your feeder so it doesn't actually have to be a branch it can just be like you can plant a small tree or a shrub a deciduous shrub or something that loses its leaves and the songbirds will use that as a staging area before or after they go to the feeder and this kind of gives you an opportunity to view the birds a little longer Um, if you're into photography it's often a nicer way to photograph the birds on the natural branch rather than the feeder so considering that kind of stuff I, I love doing that we've put branches on our back patio and it is nice you do get to see the birds longer um, it's a great little kind of tip Um, We've already kind of talked about garden sculptures, focal points, interests. Um, I think those are great, Um, you know, and it's a great way that we can support local artists as well. Um, So I think that's my one thing. And I think that's important for all art is just something that. Uh, mirrors or you know speaks to your personality so going out and finding that one piece that really like yeah this jives with me i really think it's funny or i think it's gorgeous whatever it is um yeah go out and do it uh one piece that i've always loved and i don't know who makes them i think it is an ontario artist is these massive cast iron like wrought iron, um pine cones. Like you were talking like six, eight feet. Um acorns. Gorgeous. That is one thing that I've if I ever won the lottery, I would put that in my garden. I would just have a massive pine cone like the size of my house, just right there and an acorn. I think they'd be so beautiful. Um Anyway, so other quick things like winter garden do's and don'ts. Um, you don't need to fertilize your garden. You don't want to. You want to focus on kind of like things shouldn't be growing right now. Um, you can do some light pruning, so the lilacs, hydrangeas. Um, you can cut back pure perennials if you wish. Um you do wanna make sure that any trees or large shrubs that you've planted over the season do get well watered, especially Specifically, evergreens. So, evergreens obviously don't lose their needles um, over the winter, so they're still transpiring and taking in water throughout the whole winter. Um, and that's usually when we do lose our evergreens. That's typically when is is over the winter um, because they haven't established their root system yet, and they dry out and they die. So, you want to make sure that um, going into the winter, so October, November, before the ground freezes, you want to make sure they're well watered. And if they are planted in a windy exposure or a southern exposure that gets a lot of sun, is wrapping them, um, it's at least for the first year. Um, you don't necessarily have to wrap them every year, especially if they're a hardy species, um, like a white pine or a spruce or a fir. But in that first year, um wrapping them is is probably helpful and try to avoid wrapping them too early and leaving it on too late so um it's been quite warm the last few weeks so you know you can leave wrapping them until december there's no big rush um and then again taking that off as soon as it starts to warm up um it can be as early as like march or april um so not leaving that on until may um And then, of course, bringing plants inside, focusing on your indoor garden. Um, My husband brought home these four Boston ferns, like massive, massive Boston ferns, which I love. Um, But our house is quite small; we don't have floor space, so we brought them home, and they literally took up the whole floor of our kitchen. Um, So now we're we're gonna hang them on the wall. They're gonna be like, um, you know, you can get those like bags, pretty ones, not like a garbage bag or something, Um, and you can hang them on the wall. So we're gonna. Have a, a fern wall, um, so you can get creative and do um, indoor gardening that way. Uh, especially if small um, gardens, I think like, oh sorry, small house, um, you can hang plants. Um, try to grow stuff indoors. This one of the things that I really want to try this year is growing um, some herbs inside. Uh, so I'm going to bring my chives indoors, um, my basil, going to try the rosemary, oregano, the thyme, and we have a southern exposure window, window which is perfect for herbs. So I'm going to gonna try that. Um, it always doesn't always worked out well for me growing herbs indoors, so I'll let you know um, how it goes. So hopefully this has kind of given you some um, food for thought on how your garden looks. Um, you know, and ways to you can kind of spruce it up over the winter and really enjoy it over the winter. I know as gardeners we tend to like hunker down and then use this time to plan or order and look through catalogs. Um, you know, but that you know, winter you can still enjoy the garden. You can still go out. I mean, seed heads are really beautiful. If you're into photography or wildlife photography, going out there and seeing the diversity of how beautiful these seeds are. Um, And, you know, just try letting them stand for the winter and seeing how beautiful it can look in the morning when the frost hits them and the snow, first snow kind of dusts on them. It's quite striking. Um, So that's, you know, my piece of advice there is, you know, is try to enjoy your garden this winter and, um, you know, take the opportunities to see what perhaps is missing from it so thank you again for um listening in Um, we look forward to talking more about gardens next month on in the dirt Um, i'm laura thomas and you're listening to hunter's bay radio